We're continuing in our series on Galatians. I think this is the 16th week, if I remember correctly. Um, if you have a Bible with you, we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, you should be able to find the text in your order of worship, or you can use your phone, or you can use anything you'd like. So I say to you, hear the word of God. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that you would come and open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, where people are imprisoned uh, one way or the other. I pray that you would free them. And where they are free, I pray that you would bind them uh, to Jesus. I pray for myself that you be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen and amen. So we're getting toward the end of Galatians. And really last week was sort of the, the text we looked at was sort of the, in some ways the culmination of the book of Galatians. Remember, Paul, the Apostle Paul had gone into this place called Galatia, had preached a gospel, and the gospel he preached was a gospel of grace. It was a gospel that said, trust in Jesus by faith alone, and that is what saves you from your sins, not works of the law, not your obedience, not your goodness, nothing. So remember, we've told you over and over again, you're sick of hearing it, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Jesus plus anything, Jesus plus your good works, Jesus plus your badness, anything equals nothing. And remember, Paul culminated, that all culminates by Paul saying, brothers, you, you have been freed. You are now free. You're free from sin. You're free from the guilt of sin, the power of it. You're free from the power of death. You're free from the tyranny of the devil. All of this thing that I, he called the gospel is about you and I ultimately becoming free. And so if you, if you think about that, if the gospel is all about being free, the next thing Paul does, he begins to talk about what threatens our freedom. So if you think about it, the question this morning is pretty easy. What, what do you, if you had to answer right now, if you're a Christian at least, and you've been, you say you've been freed from your sin, you've been freed from the guilt of sin, the power of sin, the tyranny of the devil, what's the biggest threat to your freedom? Well, if we stopped right here, if the, if the book of the Galatians stopped right before this verse, you would be correct to say, well, it's the law, right? That's what Paul keeps saying over and over again. That don't go back to works of the law once you've been freed. Don't become a slave to the law again. If you stopped there. But here's the thing. He doesn't stop there. And there are actually two thieves of our freedom. The first thief of our freedom, as we've talked about quite a bit, that it basically works of the law. Thinking that even though we've been freed, that if maybe God, if we could just do the right things just in case, that God will love us more or he'll take care of us more, something. We think that somehow we can manipulate God with our goodness. So on one hand, works of the law are a thief of our freedom. But we're going to learn this morning, not only is the law potentially a thief of our freedom, but so is this thing called license. 
And what is license? License is where you take freedom and you basically say, it's, it's, I can do anything I want. Nothing matters. I remember when I was being ordained. If you've, if you've, I've taught a lot of people classes as they go through, and I have this thing called the POW principle. The POW principle is basically this. Don't give any more information that's asked of you when being examined. Be as brief as possible. And I remember I was being ordained, and an elderly gent stepped to the microphone, and he said, son, what's the difference between liberty and license? And I said, uh, license is the abuse of liberty. He leaned over. That's it? So is there anything else? He said, I guess not. Went and sat down. But when we think about when I use the word license, it really is the abuse of liberty. It's saying, you know, I can do it. Jesus has forgiven my sins. And so since he's forgiven my sins, it doesn't really matter what I do. And Paul would say, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, that makes you just as big a slave as the law potentially can make you a slave. So we're going to look at three things this morning. Three things we're going to look at are, one, the, the slavery of freedom. Notice I have the word freedom in quotes there, that it, you can become a slave to freedom. And also, then we're going to look at the freedom of slavery. Paul talks about that. And then finally, the engine for our freedom. What, what is it that enables us to actually live as free people? So first thing, the, um, the slavery of freedom. Notice the first part of verse 13. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So what is he saying there? So first thing is this, is that the gospel not only frees us from the demands of the law, but the gospel also frees us from the demands of our sinful nature and our sinful hearts. If you don't think that you're a slave to the demands of your sinful nature, read John chapter 8 at some point. Remember in John chapter 8, Jesus gets into an argument with a group of men called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are all about the law. And at some point, Jesus references God as his father, and they say, you know, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, no, you're of your father, the devil. They eventually go on, and Jesus says, you guys are slaves. And they said, we've never been slaves to anything, which is ironic because of the whole Egypt thing that happened. But also the fact that the Romans were basically oppressing them at the very, that very time. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. And whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that's when you're about to like get it. He says, I tell you the truth. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. You could be a slave to the things that, that you want to do that are either sinful or things that are, aren't good or things that are good but don't do you any good when it comes to your relationship with God. In other words, you can become a slave to this idea of I can do whatever I want. I mean, when, when you th- if I ask you to define freedom, what is, a, what is a free person? Most of us, I would have said something like, well, to be free means I can do whatever I want. And that phrase, that attitude is actually a myth. It does, freedom like that doesn't exist. Freedom always exists in the, in the context of some kind of boundaries. Noticing when he says, you're called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to the flesh. So basically, when you say or I say, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want, and I'm free to do things of the flesh that are according to my sinful nature because Jesus has already done them. Basically, you're not living according to reality. In other words, 
when you think about the way freedom works, it always works within some kind of boundaries. And, and to, to say, to think that it doesn't means you don't really understand what freedom is. Because if you think about it, if everyone is free to do what they want, then you can't say anything to any other person about anything. Like, so if, you, if, if, if you're free to come into my house and steal my television, I'm, I can't tell you that's a bad thing to do. You can do whatever you want. But then I do whatever I want. See, it doesn't work. The other thing is it doesn't, it doesn't match reality. And think about it this way. So I just turned 53. And at, at age 53, I can't eat anything I want anymore. When I was 23, I could, I could eat a whole pizza. When I was 33, I, could, I might have even been able to do it at 43, and it n- didn't make a difference. Something happened. I can't do it. So, uh, so I'm, I'm free, I guess, to do whatever I want, but reality says I will get in trouble if I do that. Right? I can't drive however I want. And if I drove how I want, it would be a lot different than the way that things are now on Benson. I tell you that right now. I can't. Why? Because I'll get in trouble. I'll get a ticket. I can't live wherever I want, right? I can't just show up at one of your houses and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I can do whatever I want. I'm moving into your extra bedroom. It doesn't work that way, right? You can't live however you want, or I could do however I want. You know, I can't just walk up out to, well, I can't, we don't have the Sonics anymore. I couldn't, when we lived in Orlando, I couldn't just go to the, the Orlando Magic and say, hey, I want to be on the team. Tommy, you're a foot and a half shorter than the average guy here. And you don't know how to play. And now you're old. (laughs) You can't do whatever you want. There's always some kind of boundaries. There's consequences to everything. And Paul says, basically, sort of good wisdom there, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And remember, we looked at before that basically when people say, I can do whatever I want, well, if really you've been changed by the gospel, what you'll want to do is what Jesus wants you to do. But also, Paul takes it a step further, and he, he sort of messes with our minds here, because you've got to be asking now, well, if, if freedom is always within some kind of boundaries, this, this Christian freedom actually doesn't feel very free, right? If the law can take it, or doing what I want can take it, then what actually does it mean to live as a free person? That's what Paul talks next. So he talks about the slavery of freedom. You could be a slave to your sinful nature. You could be a slave to the desires of your heart. What does it mean to be free? Well, that's where Paul goes next. The thing he talks about after he talks about the slavery of freedom is the freedom of slavery. Notice the next, the second half of verse uh, 13. And he says, for through love serve one another. And then verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What is he saying here? When he says, but through love serve one another, a literal translation of of what Paul said there would be, but through love make yourself slaves to one another. In other words, he says what it means to be free is actually to become a slave to one another through love. How does it done? He says, well, through, through love, this whole, the whole law is summarized. It was fulfilled in one word. You shall love the Lord, your neighbor, as yourself. Now, is he giving us another law? Is he giving us you know, another thing to do? He's really not, because notice what Paul says. He says, if you want to be free, he doesn't say you need to obey the whole law. 
or you even need to fulfill, or, or, or even that you need to, to obey some of the laws, circumcision, or certain dates on the calendar. But he says what it means to, to be free is to actually fulfill the whole law. And the way we fulfill the whole law is by loving. And the way we fulfill the whole law is by loving one another. That's the, the, that's the boundary within our freedom works. In other words, if you think about um, a fish, if you take a fish out of the water, is a fish particularly free? Well, it might be free. It could do whatever it wants to. Or it could, do, it could want to do stuff. But the point is, a fish isn't free unless he's actually in an environment where, where that freedom can take place. And the freedom of the gospel takes place in the context of this thing called love. And what does that look like in the church? I, I pulled this quote. There's a book by a guy named Jonathan Lehman. It's called The Church and the Surprising Offense of God's Love. And basically, the, the premise of the whole book is the reason people don't join the church, they don't love the church, they don't love each other, they don't participate in church, is because they have the wrong idea about what love is. And he actually sort of sticks it to pastors here, so got that. Uh, he says, when pastors fail to teach Christians that the problem of love begins with the faculty of love, in other words, are you able to, able to love rather than with the various objects of love? The critical faculties that Christians develop in the shopping mall transfer of their church lives. They come, listen to music, listen to preaching, look around at the other people. Do they like me? Will I be comfortable with them? Then offer an evaluation of everything they saw on the way home. <laughs> I like the music except that one song. The preacher wasn't very funny. <laughs> Did you see any programs for teenagers? They evaluate their experience rather than their hearts. They judge the church by letting God's word rather than letting God's word judge them. In all this, they utterly fail to recognize that they're not loving their neighbor as themselves. The question they ask is not what style of music helps my neighbor praise God. It's what style serves me. You see, what the gospel does is the gospel frees us up from the demands of the law, and it frees us up from the demands of our sinful nature, and it frees us from our own selfishness to be able to live the very way Jesus did, and that's by loving, and that's by giving, and that is by serving those around us. I mean, I've said it a lot. I, I mean, back in the day when I first started, we had a little bit of conflict around music, and I remember back in the day saying to the whole church, I said, you know, I know we will have arrived when, when one day a 16-year-old kid comes into my office and makes an appointment and says, Tommy, I'm, I, I need to complain about something. And I said, what? And he says, we don't play enough organ in this church. I said, you like the organ? He says, I despise the organ, but I know my sweet granny loves it. And I'll listen to it all day long if that's what it means to love her. And then later in the afternoon, Granny comes in. And she says, Tommy, i got to complain about worship. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go, not enough organ. You don't use enough drums. You like drums? I hate drums. But I know my grandson loves them. I know it would bless him. You see, I, most pastors never have those kind of appointments. Honestly, I haven't either. You see, what it means to love one another is it, fundamentally it means to give up our own rights. It means actually not to just follow the example of Jesus, but to be transformed by what he already did for us. That Jesus gave up everything and went to the cross on our behalf. 
He bore our, the, the curse for our sins. He bore the, 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 uh, all of our transgressions. He bore everything on our behalf and rose from the dead. And because of that, we now can start to live as people who are free. We can swim in the water we were created to, to swim in, which is love and loving one another. Now, if I just told you, if, if I stopped there and said, all right, so here's the deal. If you want to be a good Christian, you need to love one another. Get out of here. Have a nice day. In some ways, it, it would just be another law. It would just be like uh, sort of giving you a car with no wheels on it. Because at the end of the day, God didn't just leave us. He didn't just say, Jesus, die for your sins. Now live like he did. He gives us new hearts, but when Jesus rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, he actually sent the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. And that's where Paul goes next. He tells us how we can actually live out that freedom, what our hope is. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so what is Paul getting at there? Well, the first thing, notice the transition that he made, where he said, on one hand, he said that you should love your neighbor as yourself, and he says, but, verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We don't know why he put that. You know, if there's some issue in the church that he was trying to address, or he was just being, using common sense. That, in, in other words, the, the, the church is called to, to go from point A to point B, if you will, right? To, to go from the, our present reality to the, to the consummation of all things. If you look back at Israel, Israel was called out of slavery into Egypt, point A, to go to the promised land, point B. And it's much easier to get from point A to point B if you're loving one another rather than if you are biting and devouring one another. This passage always reminds me of the second Billy Jack movie. No one even knows who Billy Jack is. Billy Jack is the one, he was the precursor to Chuck Norris. If Billy Jack movies didn't come out, Chuck Norris movies would have never come out. He's a martial artist, came out in the 70s with these movies, and he was sort of this Vietnam vet who protected this commune of hippies. I don't know if you remember that. He was half Native American. And at one point, he decides he's going to become a rattlesnake shaman. Right? No big deal. All you got to do is walk across and through this pit full of rattlesnakes. And if you get to the other side alive, you're good to go. And he, does, he walks through this rattlesnake pit, point A to point B, and they are biting him the whole way. And it almost stops him. How much easier would it be to be a rattlesnake shaman if the rattlesnakes were gone and taken care of? If they were crushed, Right? Remember the promise back in Genesis uh, 3 that God says to the serpent, the seed of the woman will crush your head and the, the, you will strike his heel but not overcome him. In, in other words, in our case, the, the serpent has been crushed and now the only thing that gets in our way going from point A to point B possibly is each other unless we're led by the Spirit. That's what Paul says. I want to start at verse 17 first. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. That should, if you've ever read the Bible, Romans, should sound like Romans 7 to you, right? I, the very thing I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do, do, and everything I try to do, evil is right there with me. 
right? We have this clash within us between doing, doing what the right thing is, what, what we feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to do, and what our own sinful desires want to do. I mean, so for example, let me tell you what that looks like. A few years ago, I was in Safeway, and I went to, it was a, a night run, and I went to get some things that only I would probably eat. That was back before I could, when I could eat anything. So I imagine I got chips, ice cream, Fritos, Cheetos, pudding. <laughs> and I remember going through it very clearly because it was $14. And the cashier was talking to another cashier. And I gave her a 20 for all of my stuff. And I saw her lift up that 20 and put it on top of a stack of $100 bills in the drawer. And she put the, the change drawer down. And she then gave me $86 of change. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I, I gave you a $20 bill. I didn't give you 100 And she says, oh, no, I rang it up. And I said, just lift up your drawer. There should be a 20 right there. And she lifted it up, and she started crying. Oh, you're so honest. Oh, you're such a good person. Oh, you're such a good man. Right? And at that point, I was like, <laughs> I'm the pastor of New Hope Presbyterian Church. <laughs> That's how we roll down there. Um, I didn't. I, I, I said, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So, but in that, so she thought I was the most honest, wonderful human being in the world. But what you could not see going on in my head was, that's a big score right there. Like 86 bucks. Safeway, they'd never feel it. Who knows? Like, you know, here I come in. I got paid 86 bucks to get my pudding for the week. That is awesome. Right? So all the time. And then, you know, the other side of me is like, Tommy. It could hurt the girl, you know, she might have to pay for it herself. And it, long story short, in, in a fraction of a second, this fight is going on inside of me. That's the fight goes on inside of us all day long like that all the time. How do we deal with it? Look at verse 18. Paul says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, why does he say that? You would, th you would expect him to say, he's talking about license. He says, if you're not under the Spirit, he would, you'd expect him to say, you just can't do whatever you want to do. But instead he says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why does he bring that up again? And I think the reason is this, is that when you and I know that we're, we're doing wrong or we're on the ver verge of doing wrong, we tend to apply the law. We tend to think, I know what can fix this problem, the law. If I just start being good again, if I start doing things right again, and, and maybe you've done something wrong. Like I remember messing up, do, doing something I, I felt guilty of in college, and I went home and read the whole book of Romans. You never do anything like that? You see, because what we do is, is, is we do something that, that we think that God's not pleased with, and then we think the more that we feel bad, the better he likes that. And so if I feel really bad and I can show him what a miserable, awful human being I am, he'll be happy, great? He just wants to see me suffer. That's not the case at all. But the law does that to us. The, 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 the law only makes demands of us. The law doesn't help us. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law is not the thing that can help you or save you. Instead, verse 16, notice he says, he said, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, you're not under the law. The law is not the thing that is going to help you. It's the Spirit but there's two things that this, you see happening here that with regard to our relationship to the Spirit. On one hand, we're led by the Spirit. And that's, that, that's very uh, passive. And the thing is, you can be led by the Spirit, but if you're not walking behind Him, it doesn't do you any good. 
Notice he says, he says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of your flesh. That the Holy Spirit is the engine. He's the one that, not, that, that leads us, but also gives us the ability to walk, but we've got to do it. We have to walk with Him. We have to be with Him. We have to follow Him. That's not law. I'm not saying, hey, walk by the Spirit, get out of here. The, the bottom line is, is that when Jesus rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit to us, we have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's available to us now. And so the question is, what should we do? And the answer is simply this, follow him. Follow him when you, when you hear him, follow him as he speaks to you in, in his word. I mean, it's sort of like this. Imagine, um, I was trying to think of some way to put this. I, I like watching MMA sometimes, right? Mixed martial arts fights. And, and the, the, the announcer, uh, at least my favorite announcer is Bruce Buffer. Right? He's the guy that just says, you know, and they announce the guys with names. Like, I just pulled some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> right? He'll say, in the right corner, Chuck the Iceman Liddell. Right? And, everyone, <sighs> and, and, then, and I like, and in the blue corner, the Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. <sighs> right? So imagine you're, you're, at that, you're at the fight, but instead of hearing names like that, you hear, in the right corner, we have Lucifer, the son of Satan. We have the, the devil himself. And in the blue corner, Jesus, the son of God, Christ. <sighs> Everyone goes crazy. And Jesus wins. He thumps the devil. He crushes the devil. And he crushes him actually by giving up his own life. And just when the devil starts doing the dance, Jesus springs back up. Sorry, pal. Winner. And the whole time Jesus is doing all that work, all the fighting for us, the Holy Spirit is the one that's in his corner. The Holy Spirit is the one that's coaching him, enabling him, empowering him. And what Jesus does for us is when he rises and goes to heaven, he actually sends the Holy Spirit down to do the same thing for us. We don't fight the fights, any kind of fight like Jesus fought. Right? Jesus fought for, for, for all of humanity, for heaven and hell, for the curse that Adam brought upon us. We fight to, to, for things like whether or not we're going to tell the lady she gave us extra change back or whether or not we're going to be cross with our spouse or whether or not we're going to raise our kids. The Holy Spirit was given to us just like it was given to Jesus. You have it now. Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that as we, um, we consider this passage, we consider the ones that, that follow when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that in many ways it seems like a mystery. And I pray that, that we would understand what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to not just always turn to law? I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.